Welcome to the Humanist Settlement Podcast. My name's Simon Smith, and in this episode, I am joined by three UK-based humanist celebrants, Felicity Harvest, Douglas Duckworth, and Roger Payne. And together, we're going to be continuing our discussion about writing and delivering a eulogy at the funeral of a friend, a relative, or a colleague. We've tackled this in two episodes. The first is about the preparation of your eulogy, how to approach the writing and preparation of it. And that was the subject of our last podcast episode. So if you are listening in for the first time and are yet to write your tribute, I suggest you start there. Because in this episode, we're going to be talking about what will happen on the day, the day of the funeral itself, when you are going to have to step up in front of your friends, colleagues, or relatives and speak about the deceased. Between us, We've probably performed thousands of funerals, and we've probably seen some good eulogies and some bad ones. I'm going to ask this question again. Roger, in the crematorium, what makes for a well-delivered eulogy? It's got to be uh, honest and genuine. It's got to be from the heart, and it's got to be conscious of the time i'm not going to say it's got to be short but i am going to say it's got to be conscious of the time (laughs) Uh, (laughs) concise always goes down better than uh, verbose felicity what about the manner of delivery let's talk about that well you'll probably find yourself in most crematoria at a lectern um and there's a microphone at that lectern and that's there for a purpose um so Make sure your words are being picked up by that microphone. Um, there's no point in wandering off um, towards the coffin or anything like that. You will not be heard. And particularly these days with live streaming and recording, you probably won't be heard on the live stream or recording, which other people are looking at. So being conscious of that mic without being fixated about it, I would say is a very important thing to do. Doug, just talk us through the topography if you like of a crematorium the what's the room itself like and 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 what are you likely to encounter because you know fortunately many people don't spend a lot of time in crematorium but they can be quite they're unusual places they're slightly weird places how should you prepare yourself for entering that room if you've been asked to to make a speech yeah, I mean, I guess we're all connoisseurs of the good and bad uh, of uh, crematoria, um, from the ones that look like uh, rooms full of old broken furniture to the um, to the modern travel lodge of death that seems to be popular with some of the, the, the modern crematoria constructors, shall we say. But basically, it's a room, and it's kind of, it's sort of, a, it's very often has a slightly cheap theatrical air, really. You've got a set of curtains, you've got a lectern, you've got a bunch of chairs facing that. Um, and it, it kind of it's it's good not to be intimidated by it. You know, it's just another place. Um, but the lectern is important for no other reason than um, it's got the home, it's the home of the microphone. And a word to the wise, picking up from something that Felicity said: turn your mobile phone off because otherwise the mic may pick up, or the the, the PA system somewhere may well pick up the tizzing of your phone as it communicates with a base station. Uh, what I'd also add to that, Doug, is if, if someone is a bit worried about going to a crematorium for the first time, go down the day before. They're, they're normally quite happy to let you have a look around. Um, obviously, if there's a service on, you have to wait your turn, but um, they're, they're public buildings. You can go whenever you like. Doug's mention of the phone, of course, prompted me to say, print, please print out your piece you're saying. Don't read it off your phone. <laughs> um, 
it doesn't look good. It looks like you're checking your texts while you're doing it. So definitely an old-fashioned printout is the way to go. A lot of celebrants will ask to see your eulogy before the ceremony. Doug, why do celebrants need to see uh, a speech? Why do they need to see a eulogy? For me, there's one reason more important than any other, and that's it means we've got a fallback. You know, if you're up there and you dry, we can take up what you were going to say. And, you know, and it does happen from time to time. And if we've got a copy of what you're planning to say, it really does allow us to step in and save the day or allows you to give us a, a nod of the, uh, a shake of the head at the point at which we invite you up to speak to allow you to change your mind. Felicity, why else do you ask to see a, 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 a tribute or a eulogy? Well, as Sullivan's, we are trying to, assuming this is one contribution to a larger tribute, we're trying to make it all hang together. So we'll want to see it just to make sure there's no duplication. You don't want two people suddenly talking, telling the same anecdotes, and to make sure that it flows well, that if it's, the timing is right, if somebody is talking about somebody's childhood, that it comes early on if it's a chronological tribute. Um, and that it flows from one to the other. So a bit of editorial, not of the words themselves, but of the overall tribute and the way it's shaped. And that's very important. Public speaking, it absolutely terrifies some people. For us as celebrants, it's something that we've either grown to be better at, one would hope, or it was a calling anyway. But for some people, the idea of standing up in front of, you know, even even a benign audience is absolutely mortifying. What advice do you give to people who aren't used to public speaking what are your what are your kind of words of wisdom Doug let's start with you take your time most people tend to speak too quickly rather than too slowly and and I, I know Roger you were talking about sort of 170 180 words a minute I, I tend to go about 140 to be honest but most people will be slow ideally will be slower than 170 or so take your time um and um uh, try and relax a bit. Felicity, what are your words to, words of advice to public well, speakers? exactly what Doug said. And I find that people are inclined to speak speed up if they are also reading a poem. They might read the eulogy bit quite slowly, as we've discussed, and then they get into the poem and they suddenly start rocking away. Particularly if it's rhyming, they'll double their speed and it doesn't sound good and it's hard to understand and just to keep that measured pace throughout whatever they're actually reading. I mean, the only thing I would add to what Doug and Felicity have said is practice. Uh, do a dry run. I've done hundreds of funerals and I still do a dry run of every single one in the car uh, just before we start. Um, not necessarily because I'm worried about public speaking, but because it gives you a bit of a, a feel for what you're going to say, which bits you need to perhaps leave a pause after to land, especially if you are worried about it and you're worried about perhaps having the emotion of it. You're going to need to know there's always going to be a certain piece of your tribute that might choke you up uh, and that you're going to need to know what that is. Um, and if you practice it once, you'll know where that is a little bit. If you practice it twice, you'll certainly know where it is. Three times, you know, it's it's one of those things. Practice in this particular instance, uh, whether you're good at public speaking or very nervous about it, is something that I think makes everything that bit better. One other thing, which we do as celebrants automatically, but people might not think about, is if there's something you're, you think you're going to find it difficult to pronounce, spell it out phonetically on the yeah. page. Yeah. If the person had got a, you know, if one of your friends had a name that was difficult to pronounce or whatever, write it out syllable by syllable. 
a couple of you have kind of mentioned the possibility of becoming too emotional. And I know that this is something that a lot of people fear. Oh, I'm going to really struggle with that. I've been asked to do it. I've said I'm going to do it, but I know I'm going to get choked. I know that I'm going to find this really difficult. Um, for myself, I, I absolutely say if you can't be emotional at your mate's funeral or your mum's funeral or your sister's funeral, if you can't be emotional, then when can you be? So don't worry about it. But nevertheless, if people are standing in front of uh, some some people they may not know and they're having to speak and they're finding themselves getting choked up, how do you help people or what do you say to people to, to support them? Felicity. As you say, um, that they shouldn't be upset about that. But if it's getting too much, that they should just turn to the celebrant and ask them to take over. Um, we don't know. We don't know really when people are actually speaking, whether it's just a few sobs and that's appropriate and they're going to get through it, or whether two seconds later they're going to be in a little puddle on the floor. So I do say to people beforehand, if when you're up there, it gets too much, I'll be right behind you. Just give me a little wave and I'll come up and either join you or take over. Yeah. And it's, I think the knowledge that you are there actually can help people with their nerves and their fear on the day because they know that there is that safety net. Um, and for those that have not experienced it, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the three of you think, but I find reading something on someone's behalf a very peculiar experience yeah, because <laughs> you really are channeling. It's very strange. You're speaking somebody else's words, but everyone else is looking at the person who's uh, who is the origin of the words. It's a... Uh, it's a strange thing and peculiarly moving at times because you, you know, you really do feel that it's not you that's speaking. And let's not forget modern technology. I did do one ceremony. The daughter really wanted to speak, but felt she couldn't on the day. And we used a recording of her speaking. She was there, but we played the recording and it was beautiful. Let's talk about the use of props or indeed those dreaded words, PowerPoint. Would you encourage people to to speak to slides or 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 or, or use props in a in, in in a crematorium? I know some people think it's you know uh, it's going to help or in some way add some insight or even entertainment. Do you think it's a good idea? I think they're two very different things. Props, yes, can be lovely. Um, I did a whole ceremony. You know, the British Museum, a hundred history of the world in a hundred objects well we did a whole ceremony based on the history of this woman in eight or nine objects because there were things that she always had around her and they were just wonderful um slides i am less enthusiastic about um it's very practical difficulty for the celebrant because they're often behind you and you don't know what's going on and if things go wrong or whatever you can't deal with it so I wouldn't really give people advice either way on slides, but I'm not a huge fan. Doug, would you encourage people to to engage with technology or? Well, it, it depends entirely on the context. Yeah, if you're in a uh, a restaurant or you know some other informal space, do what you want. You know, I mean, go for it because you're in control of all this stuff. But um, uh, most definitely not at a crematorium because you know you're you're in a batch process operation. And uh, there's very limited time to set up. There's virtually no time to test or get a feel before you begin. You know, you're just straight in there. Uh, and also the technology can be very unreliable. So I would say if you're at a creme, keep it simple. 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Doug there. I think the, sometimes people do get a bit carried away with trying to be too technical and get everything shuffled into that 25 minutes. Um, there's absolutely no shame in keeping your memories separate or having everything uh, a different, uh, you know, if we're ever allowed to have wakes again, for example, or when people go to the pub afterwards, you can have your slideshow playing there. Uh, I did once get asked by someone who was clearly very, um, technologically proficient uh, that they wanted to essentially have uh, the, the service length was 30 minutes and they have, their plan was to have a 30-minute PowerPoint presentation with bits dropping off and that's when I would speak and that's when his brother would speak and then some more photos would come out and with the greatest will in the world it sounded like a lovely idea but I just had to talk him out of it because of the pure practicalities a crematorium's technology uh, it, it, you're very lucky if they've even got Windows 95 in some some instances um, I mean, not saying we, you can't have PowerPoint because you can. You can have a visual tribute while some music is playing, for example, because then we all know how the timings are going to run. But, you know, don't try to get too uh, crazy with, uh, you know, complicated setups like you might do at a, for a work meeting. Um, that would be my advice. Hmm. My experience with technology, if it can go wrong, it will. <laughs> Doug? Yeah, I would, I would just add, though, with a, with a view to the future, um, this is going to change uh, and if you're doing a, you know, if you're if you're attending a funeral in four years' time, it may start. It may be looking very different. Yeah. You may by then, and and this is happening in the states already. Actually, have a director um, who's managing um, uh, a fairly complex Zoom broadcast where they're bringing in contributions from people who can't be at the the crematorium where there's a big screen. Uh, where people can record contributions who either are too nervous on the day or, you know, can't physically be there. Um, uh, and I think, you know, we, we're going to see a time, particularly as a result of COVID, uh, where these things um, are going to change and, and where, you know, we can start to look to technology to, to, to make funerals different and perhaps more accessible. Yes, I've um, actually done a couple of big online memorials during the COVID period, which have been fascinating. But actually, a lot of the same things apply in terms of speakers as apply what to what the other situations we've been talking about. You still want to know what people are going to say because you still want to put things in the right order. It still isn't good if somebody goes on for 10 or 15 minutes, even if the time's not limited. So... I do think the technology will change, but some of the more human aspects of it remain the same, whatever the technology is by which the ceremony is being delivered. Thank you guys so much um, for taking part in the Celebrant podcast. I'm delighted that we've been joined by Doug's dog um, for the last few minutes, who's making a willing and able contribution. Um, thank you so much for taking part in this. I hope we've managed to pull together some useful uh, tips and advice for people speaking at a funeral for the first time. Thank you very much for, for taking part. Cheers. Thank you. You've been listening to me, Simon Smith, and my panel of three guests, Felicity Harvest, Roger Payne, and Doug Duckworth, all of whom are humanist celebrants. I hope this has been a useful podcast, and that if you are embarking on preparing and writing a tribute for a friend, a colleague, or a relative, that your ceremony goes as well as it possibly can. Thank you for listening. Do please get in touch if you've got any questions about organising, or writing, or preparing any form of ceremony, be that a wedding, a funeral, or a naming, or in fact, any other kind of ceremony with which we can help. 
do please drop me a line, simon at thecelebrantpodcast.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, and remember, enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink.